good morning. Um, I want to get started with our study today and uh, want to welcome you back to a 21-session class that we've been doing um, on really laying a f- strong foundation in the Word of God and delve deeper and deeper into expeditions into revealed truth about who God is and who Christ is and a lot about the spiritual realm, the world, uh, the Bible, and the Word of God, church, and all that God has for us. And so as we take a look at the second week that we have, uh, last week we began our series on, on Christ, or study of Christ, which is called Christology. Uh, last week we looked at an introduction to Jesus Christ and His incarnation and fulfillment of prophecy, confidence that we can have in fulfillment of prophecy in the Old Testament, and certainly we know that all of those things came true, more than 400 prophecies that, that the scriptures lay out for his second coming certainly will will come true. And so this is the second week that we're going to focus on Christ, and we're going to look at the, the person of Christ, and uh, next week we're going to look at the work of Jesus Christ. But as we look at the person of Christ, um, our, our intent today is to really focus in two areas. One is his humanity, one is his deity. As it pertains to his humanity, our, our goal today will be to take four main reasons why, <clears throat> and look at those as to why Jesus Christ was fully man. Four reasons for why he was fully man, and then we're going to transition into looking at five reasons why Jesus Christ was fully God. Four reasons why he's fully man and five reasons why he's fully God. Well, if you take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to 1 John chapter 4, in our study there uh, this morning, 1 John chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 3 as we get started here. Um, uh, Just a reminder to you of those that might be listening on the internet, um, ways you can follow along in this study is to either download the audio to your desktop and listen to it there or listen to it online but there is a zip file there that you can pull down to your computer and open it up and there is both an outline there uh, for you to fill out as we go through our time together and also a PowerPoint um, out and listen to the audio. I trust that would be very helpful to you as you go through this study as we go through this study together. Well 1 John chapter 4 verses 1 through 3 says Beloved, not be uh, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to, s- to test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming. And how it already is in the world. So focus on verse two here. He says that um, that that we will know um, that uh, Jesus Christ um, that, that we will know uh, the Spirit of God by the fact that those who know Christ um, confess that He has come in the flesh is from God. So He's come in the flesh and He is from God. So both these two sides, his humanity and his deity, are, are what one would understand to believe the person of Christ was. Well, let's begin to the first reason as to why Christ was fully man. First of all, he had a human body. He had a human body. Turn with me in to Luke chapter 2, verses, verse 42. Luke chapter 2, verse 42. 
Luke chapter 2, verse 52, excuse me. Chapter 2, verse 52. Here we see that uh, Jesus Christ grew and developed. He grew and developed in his human body. Um, It says, And Jesus kept kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and in favor with man. Well, what does that mean when it says that he grew in wisdom? Well, the point here is that he grew mentally. He grew in insight. He he grew in, in prudence and in knowledge, discernment, therefore wisdom. So these are the different things that he grew in mentally. It also says he grew in stature, or he grew physically. see that he grew up physically, and also he grew in favor with God. He pleased God in everything he did, and he favored with men. Uh, people liked him. People enjoyed him, and uh, he grew in that way also. Uh, we look at uh, Matthew, If you take a look at Matthew 7, verses 28 and 29, here we see... Um, another dimension of of his growth in that in his teaching says Matthew 7 verses 28 and 29 says the result was that when Jesus had finished these words the multitudes were amazed at his teaching for he was teaching them as quote one having authority and not as their scribes so their their teachers did not teach with authority yeah, Jesus Christ, it says here, the multitudes were amazed at his teaching. The idea here is that all the multitudes, the people that were listening to him, were blown away. Uh, they were completely blown away. They were astonished uh, by the authority by which he spoke, uh, the words that he spoke when he taught in the synagogue. And so, and and um, outside the synagogue. And so... Um, as he grew, he grew and developed in his ability to think, and body, and his growth, his stature, and his ability to teach. Um, let's look at John 8, verse 40. John 8, verse 40. Here we see that Jesus Christ called himself a man. Christ called himself a man. John 8, verse 40. He says, But as it is, you are seeking to kill me. I am a man who has told you the truth. Which I heard from God, this Abraham did not do. So he called Jesus Christ himself calls himself a man here in John eight. Well, the second reason, if if the first reason was that he had that Jesus Christ was fully uh, was that he had a human body, the second reason that he had a human soul and a human spirit. He had a human soul and a human spirit. Uh, turn with me to to Matthew chapter twenty six verse thirty eight. Matthew twenty six. Verse 38. We're going to be looking at quite a few verses here in our study today, so follow along with me if you could. Matthew 26, verse 38. It says, And then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved. My soul is deeply grieved. The point of death. Remain here and watch with me. This is in the garden um, of Gethsemane in the night before, in which he was prayed. And uh, he was completely sorrow even to the point of death and uh, so this gives us great insight into the fact that he was compl- very distressed about the, um, uh, <clears throat> the what was coming that night we look at Matthew 27 verse 46 uh, just a couple chapters to the right Matthew 27 46 and what we see here is 
as he's on the cross, he says, and it was in the ninth hour that Jesus Christ cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So this incredible distress of the Savior comes upon him on the cross and in the garden really was the fact that the weight of sin was Gethsemane and it was on him cross and so the bill bill that um presented to him from by God uh, half of all the sins of mankind um let's take a look at um Luke 23 verses 46 Along with have his soul being deeply grieved, along with that, he gave up his spirit um, for his death on the cross. He gave up his spirit before his death on the cross. And we see here, he says, And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into thy hands I kept my spirit. He said this, he breathed last on the cross. The idea of the fact that he... Um, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Literally is the idea of the fact that he gave up his spirit. Um, up and dismissed. Certainly that was an act of divinity, but here um, it's very clear that he has a spirit and part of him, and, he, and that part that he... Well, not only did he have a human body, and not only did he have a human soul and spirit, but third reason why he was also fully man was that he showed human characteristics. He showed human characteristics. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, verse 2. Here we see that uh, Christ is beginning his ministry. And it says in verse 1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the, by the devil. Verse 2, And after he had pa- fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, hungry. That he, after that he became hungry. hungry. So Jesus Christ was hungry. Uh, he also was thirsty. He was also thirsty. Let's look at John chapter 19, verse 28. John, here what we see is that... John chapter 19. He says, After this, Jesus, knowing um, all things had already been accomplished in order that the scriptures might be fulfilled, said, I am thirsty. So here he is, he's on the cross and in the crucifixion, and he says, I am thirsty. Well, this really was fulfillment. The fulfillment he's looking at here was really Psalm uh, chapter 69, verse offered vinegar. So he was hungry, he was thirsty. Uh, third one is that he was tired, he, he grew tired. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 6, 4, verse 6 says, 5, and so he came to the city of, a city of, called Samaria, called, uh, of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour, sixth hour would be about 12 o'clock noon, then he encounters this Samaritan uh, Lord, lead to him and become a believer and forgive her from her, of her sins. But he says here that he was um, tired. He was weary. He had, he was he was he was all pooped out. Uh, he was dog tired from travel. Um, not only that, but he experienced love and compassion. Love and compassion. Uh, Matthew nine verse thirty six. Matthew nine verse thirty six says. And seeing the multitudes, Christ felt compassion for them, because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. This idea of compassion is, is, is it's a consistent commitment of, of Christ's character uh, to, to see things through his eyes. Uh, the idea is that he ached for them. The, the word compassion is that bow, uh, the bowels were moved as a result of them. And so there's this deep impact 
imprint of char- character through which emotion uh, flows. Um, and the way I am, the way I'm feeling, uh, reaction with that says that that occurred because they the, the people were distressed. The idea is that they were harassed, downcast, like sheep without a shepherd. So he he. He loved the people. He loved and had compassion on them. And he moved from the inside of him. His innards were moved as a result of his love, his, his great love for them. Uh, he also wept, um, cried. John 11, uh, 35 and 38. John 11, 35, 38. You know, the, this passage was literally w- what happened when um, Mary and Martha... And know for a fact that um, that uh, that they he loved them deeply. Lazarus um, he wanted to have him um, come uh, res- be resurrected as a result and raise him from the dead as a result of his great love for him. But but before that time, just seeing the incredible um, contributions or consequences of sin and death. It says in verse 35, um, wept, that he shed tears. Verse 38, Jesus therefore again being deep in, uh, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and the stone was lying against it. I think he, he wept, he truly wept and, and cried and shed tears um, because of the incredible finality of what death is. And um, angry about the consequences of sin, plague that had it had rippled across all mankind, wept over those felt um, deeply moved from within. Well, not only that, but he was also tested and tempted. Tested and tempted. Um, chapter 4, chapter four, verse 50 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin can totally feel together with us and sympathize with us are weak because he has been tempted in everything the idea of in all things is in every single way and that he's exceptionally qualified to understand um, so he, he tempted in all things and in all ways from temptations to obedience suffering to to literally experiencing death um, he, has, he has tasted it all and struggled with all of it in his so he was tested and tempted uh, we already looked at Matthew chapter 4 1 through 9 um, out into the wilderness to be tempted tested uh, by the spirit of god and so um, always he but experienced um, human characteristics well fourth um, if the first one was that he had a human body, second he had a human soul and spirit, third he showed human characteristics. The fourth reason that Jesus Christ was fully man is he had human names. First, first name that we see as a human name is is the is what we see in in Luke chapter nineteen verse. Turn there, Luke chapter nineteen verse. Here we see that he's called the Son of Man. Luke nineteen ten says, "For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost." So, he calls himself the Son of Man, he, and he and came to seek and to save those lost. Um, second human name that he find in Matthew chapter one, Matthew chapter one, really the beginning of a, this incredible genealogy of Jesus Christ that spans uh, really three sets of fourteen generations here. But he starts off uh, Matthew starts off 
his letter, his book, his gospel by saying, Book of the genealogy of Jesus, the Christ, the son of David, one and only son of Abraham, real son of Abraham. So here what we see is not only do you have human son of man, but he also had a human name, the son of David. The son of David really speaks of, of him being legal heir to the throne of covenant that we see in Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. And then he goes on to say that he's the son of Abraham. So this adds more credence to his human, that he is um, he's the son of Abraham. He is the son of the one who is the father, the patriarch of the Jew. So he is, um, he is of the Abrahamic covenant. That go, really goes back to Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. So not only that is he the son of um, man, the son of David, the son of Abraham, but he's also the man, Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. Turn, to me, turn with me to Paul's letter to Timothy, his protege. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Paul says, And there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, that is, the man, Christ Jesus, gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony that was born proper time. So Paul calls him the man, Christ Jesus, also. The only one between God and man, God, man, Christ. So, these four reasons: his human body, he had human soul and spirit, he had showed human characteristics, and he had human names, gives us great confidence as to his humanness. Next, I'd like to transition to take a look at um, his deity, his deity, and I want to look at the five reasons why Jesus Christ was fully God. So he possesses first, first of all, the first reason why he fully God is that he possesses attributes which only God has. He possesses attributes only God has. And here what we'll see is there are, some, there, there are a number of claims that Jesus Christ made of himself. There's a number of claims that other people made about him. Let's begin with the ones that he, he made about himself. First of all, he claimed that he is eternal. He is eternal. Um, let's look at John chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, in the beginning, before time, before time really began, the Word was, Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, He is eternal. Um, John chapter 1, uh, 1 1 says that. John chapter 17, verse 5. Let's turn there next. John 17, verse 5 says, And now glorify thou me together with thyself, Father, with the glory which I ever had with you, for the world was. So here what we see is the glory I had with the Father before the world was literally speaks of. The fact that he he was one with the Father before time began was is therefore eternal in, in nature. Um, John chapter eight verse fifty eight. John eight fifty eight says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. This really is a self proclamation of his divinity, even to the extent that that 
the Jews that were there understood exactly what he was saying, and they picked up thrown, thro- stones to throw at him because the, he, they saw him as, as, blaspheme, as blaspheming God. Yet he was speaking the truth because he was making a formal proclamation of the fact that before Abraham existed, was. so he was talking literally about that he existed before time, both with and as God. Well, secondly, he claims to be omnipresent, omnipresent. Uh, he is omnipresent. Look at Matthew chapter 18, 20. Matthew chapter 18. This great passage of how we should engage in conflict and uh, people who are sinning um, to go to them directly and how to handle that within the body of Christ um, should they not listen church and to others. So in verse 20 what we see here is that um, it says, For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am, th- I am there in their there with, in their midst, and so he has this. He says that wherever you come together to solidify decisions and ratify them, that that heaven ratifies them, and I am with you. So through so through the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ is omnipresent, um, and promises to gather with us when we gather in His name um, to. To those who need, need. Um, he also says that he is omniscient. He is omniscient. John four twenty nine, or verse twenty nine. Same passage of that woman at the well. She she says that uh, John chapter four verse twenty nine says, "Come see a man who told me all things that I have done." This is not the Christ, is it? The idea is. He says, all things I've done here is that he literally knows all the things I've sinned. So he, he knows about me. But she, she speaks of, of his omniscience here. Knows, knows those things. The last one here is that not only is he eternal, not only is he omnipresent, not only is he omniscient, but he's also omnipotent. Omnipotent, all-powerful. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So all authority is all authority, and that means all of the all of the authority that God has, He He has entrusted to Jesus Christ, given Him the ability to judge the living and the dead, and so He is omnipotent. Also, well, those are the claims that that He made. Uh, what are some claims that others made about Him? Well, another one. Uh, one of those that we want to look at here is that is that he is immutable. He is immutable. What does it mean to be immutable? It means that he never changes. Let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 8. It's 13, verse 8. And here the author of Hebrews says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and yes, forever. So he never changes. He is always the same. You can fully trust him on everything that he does. And secondly, we find uh, Paul speaking to the church in Colossae in Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one. What we see is Paul sa- Paul saying about uh, who Christ is, and that he is he is fully fully. Full deity in bodily form. Full deity in bodily form. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and verse 19. He says, And he is the image of the invisible God, 
the firstborn of all creation. But when, when he says he is the image of the invisible God, it means the icon. Most all of us have a computer, and we know what an icon is. An icon is what you click to get to, to, the, to the real thing. And so Jesus Christ is the perfect icon that we can see of the invisible God. Verse 19 he says, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness of Godhead to dwell in him. So in Christ, all the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. Chapter 2 verse 9 says, In him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. So this Christ is the God-man. In Hebrews chapter eleven, chapter one, verse three, he says, um, "He is the radiance of His glory, God's glory, and the exact representation of His nature." So He is full deity in bodily form. Well, those are the things that He claimed about Himself. Things that He claimed others claimed about Him. So the first reason that He was fully God is that He possessed attributes that only God has. The second th- reason why he was fully God is that he performed works that only God can do. He performed works that only God can do. Um, first of all, he is he was he is the creator. Uh, John chapter one verse three: All things came into being apart from him. Nothing came that has come into being. So everything that has been created, everything that exists, everything that is. Um, was created by Christ. And Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 says that um, in these last days, God has spoken to us in his Son, the appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So Jesus Christ also was the one who Father thought up creation. Jesus Christ actually did created it and what we find also is the spirit of god keeps it together but he is the creator of the world secondly is that he created the heavens and the entire spiritual realm also we find in paul what paul says in colossians chapter 1 verse 16 colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says for in him all things were created christ both in the heavens on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or authorities, all things have been created through him, for him. He is before all things. All things hold together. So here what we see is that he is the creator of the heavens. Um, He is the creator of the universe, the first heaven, the second heaven, the third heaven, they were all created through him and for him. He is the end to which they all were created for. And he also created the entire spiritual realm, the invisible realm that we can't see, be, the, be it thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All of those are things that he created. He is the creator. He's also the sustainer. Colossians 1.17 says, And he is before all things. All things hold together. So he's the originator of all things. He, he created them and, they, and he holds them together. He's the cosmic super glue, so to speak, of 
universe, and he literally glues it together, keeps it held together, um, but wonder what holds the universe together, the stars where they're at, and the planets where they're at, and the galaxies where they're at. Well, the scriptures say that it is, it is Christ who is that one who holds it all together, that he is the sustainer of the universe. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, let's turn there, says, and he upholds all things by the power of his word. So he is the one who stains the universe and upholds them by the very word of his power. If he didn't do that, it would all fall apart. Next is he not only is the creator, he's a sustainer, but he also forgives sins. Uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 10. Let's look at that. Mark chapter 2, verse 10. It says, But in order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise and take up your pallet and go home. So the purpose of miracles is literally to tell us who Jesus Christ is and that he has the power to forgive sins. That's why Jesus says, all of that, I'm going to show you that I'm going to um, kill him, but that is only because that you would know that I have the power to forgive sins. So he has the power to forgive sins. He has the power to grant spiritual life. Look at John chapter 5, verse 21. John 5, verse 21 says, Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to those whom he wishes. So, if the Father raises dead, Jesus Christ has the power given to him by the Father to literally impart spiritual life to people. Um, and if take a look at verse 22, for not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son. So, <clears throat> Jesus Christ not only... It, uh, grants spiritual life, but he also is the judge of all the created of all created beings of, of all creation, and he is the final over, authority over all human beings and all angels, all creation, and he will judge them. God has given him that that ability. Uh, along with that, um, he is also the decision maker in regards to resurrection and life. Is the decision maker in regards to resurrection and life. Let's look at John 11:43. John 11, verse 43 says, When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And so he literally calls Lazarus from the dead to life and raises him from the dead. And so he has the power to impart uh, life, both physical and spiritual. Well, not only does he possess attributes which only God has and performs works that only God can do, but he also, um, the third reason why Jesus Christ was fully God is that he used or was given names and titles only used of deity. Given names or titles used only of divinity, of deity. First is that he was called the Son of God. John 10.36 10.36 says, um, you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I said I am the Son of God. So he he calls himself the Son of God and is 
uses that name as attributes that name to himself. Um, he also calls himself the Lord God, or Yahweh, also. We already looked at John 1, 1, where he says, in the beginning I was with the God, and I was God. Um, but let's look at John 20, verse 28. 20, verse 28. John 20, 28 says, and, and Thomas was answering him uh, when he came and showed himself, appeared before the disciples. Thomas had not seen him the first time, but this is the second time I go around where he literally um, manifests himself in his post-resurrected state to the to disciples. And he says, John twenty twenty eight. he says, Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God, my Lord is Kurios, and my God is Elohim, or Creator God. So he literally calls him, calls him God. Uh, Hebrews 1, verse 8. 1, verse 8. 1 says... 8 says, but of the Son, Jesus Christ, he says, Thy throne, O God, this is God the Father speaking, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. Um, there, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, therefore God, thy God, has anointed the oil of gladness above thy companions. So the idea here is, Thy throne, O God, the, the throne of you, the God, um, forever and ever, he Christ. Um, Titus chapter 2 verse 13 Titus chapter 2 verse 13 he says looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ our great God and Savior so Paul in his letter to Titus here calls Jesus Christ God and Savior God and Savior so um, also in Revelation chapter 22 um he is called the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha and the Omega. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, verse 12 and 13. It says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with you to render it to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, and the beginning, first, and the last. Well, the only other person who's called the Alpha and the Omega is God the Father. And here, that is that those names are attributed to specifically to Jesus Christ. And then also, um, he's called the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Capital K and capital L. Uh, in, fir- in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 15, First Timothy chapter 6, verse 15, he says, I, uh, I charge you, verse 13, in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is blessed and the only sovereign, the King of kings, Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, which no man can see, has seen, or can see, and be honor and eternal dominion. And also in Revelation chapter 19, verse 16, Jesus Christ is coming again, the second time, his return in all his glory, says, and on his robe, uh, Revelation nineteen sixteen, on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so here what we see is that, is that um, he is given uh, this t- these titles and names of, of deity, and he he does not push back on them whatsoever. 
Revelation 17, uh, 14. He says, um, These will rage war against the Lamb. The Lamb will overcome them, because he is Word of Lords and King, where with him are the called and chosen and faithful. Well, the fourth reason why he is... Um, fourth reason why Jesus Christ is fully God is because he personally claimed to be God. He personally claimed to be God. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 10, verse 30. John chapter 10, verse 30. John chapter 10, verse 30. Um, he says, um, I and the Father are one. The idea of one here is the, is the idea of that we are equal in essence, equal in nature, and equal in deity. And the reason why that's true is because the Jews understood what he was saying, and they took up stones again, stoned him for, 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 for saying or claiming to be God. So he claimed to be God here. He says, I and the Father are one, one in essence. John chapter 8, 58. John 8, 58. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. And we that one before. Paul also said Jesus Christ was God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. And he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Firstborn of all creation. So, not only did he claim personally to be God, but he also, and this is the most incredible thing that, that really proves his, his deeds, that he willingly receives worship willingly receives worship. And he does this in two places, one on earth and two in heaven. On earth, let's take a look at John chapter 9, verse 38. On chapter 9, 9.38. And here we see, he says, um, said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Lord, I believe, worshipped him. So, Jesus Christ didn't push back on this. And he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? He said, I do. And fell down and worshipped him. If Jesus wasn't who he said he was, Son of God, then for him to accept that worship of God by a, by a human being, blasphemous. Yet he does not push back on that whatsoever. Let's look at Matthew 28, verse 9. Matthew 28, verse 9. says something very similar. Old Jesus met them and greeted them. This is after he rose from the dead and, and they were blown away. Verse um, 8 says, They departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to report to his disciples. And behold, verse 9, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. So this incredible situation that has occurred is that he was dead and now he's, he's alive. They fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Not push back at, at, on that. The second one is in heaven. Let's take a look at uh, Philippians chapter 2. Verses 9 and 8. And Philippians chapter 2, verses 9-10 says, Therefore also God highly exalted or super exalted Jesus Christ and bestowed on him the name of every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those who are in heaven, those who are on earth, and those who are under the earth. Every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, because of his name, is, he is to be worshipped, and they and all will fall down, worship him. The totality of creation will bow before their creator. Here. And last but not least, in Hebrews 1, verse 6, see here, is, 
is uh, the author of Hebrews saying the same similar kind of a thing. And it says here, and when he again brings, the he here is God the Father, again brings the firstborn, who's that Jesus Christ, into the world, he will say, and let all the angels of God worship him. Let all the angels of God worship him. The idea here is that he, God says to the angels, third heaven, that they are to worship Jesus Christ. So he is clearly spelled out that um, by God that the angels are to worship the Son. So fully declaring for all that Jesus Christ is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, worthy to be worshipped on earth and heaven. So here we see um, his humanity, his deity, and reasons for his humanity, that he had a human body, he had a human soul and spirit, he showed human characteristics, and he had a human names. As far as his deity goes, he possessed attributes that only God has, performed works that only God can do, was given names um, and titles that ha- that were only used of de- personally claimed to be God, and willingly receives worship by both men and angels, both on earth and in heaven, therefore, thereby declaring that God-man, the Son of Man, Son of Abraham, Son of God, one who is to be worshipped for. Let's close in prayer. Father, you have um, given us your word, stark clarity to the fact that that your son, Jesus Christ, um, came to this earth on the skin and the form, fully man, and yet laid aside his glory. At, At the same time, he was fully God. Father, as a result of that, we worship Jesus Christ, one who is um, above all and, and exalted above, will be exalted, is exalted above the heavens and will be exalted for all eternity. Father, we can't help but fall in wonder and praise to the one who is worthy sin the one who died for us forever with father we we that never cease to wander never cease to be a man, never cease to um, stand in awe of so worthy so holy father give us eyes to see the incredible using christ and our lives in total obedience to him to love him father we pray that we would become standing the ability to worship his spirit and in truth. Bow before you actually deserve Amen.